Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the playing of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. And here's your host, Jana, and her big brother, Jeff. Welcome back to another edition of Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast, Freedom Edition. Just had the 4th of July. We're feeling freedom. We're free from our podcast oppressors. I don't know. We've always we've always celebrated Independence Day here on uh, SRBB. Uh, we're not connected to anybody necessarily. However, hint, hint, Dr. Pepper. We uh, we both have our icy cold beverage of choice, Dr. Pepper of choice, at hand. So why don't you go grab your own? Whatever it is you like, icy, cold, whatever, or hot drink, even though it's summertime and, you know, whatever, whatever. Hey, no judgment here. It's independence. You're free to do what you want to do. there. All right. The only thing that we have found lately that uh, is not free or someone who doesn't feel free to do their thing is Mike Trout in Houston. Talk about that coming up talk about uh, what's happening with the Dodgers what's going on are they still boring and uninspiring plus I did hear something that could be good news with the Dodgers coming up uh, some big performances around the minor leagues coming up and big performances from the Pirates what are we sure they're not a World Series bound team it almost seems like an oxymoron. What did you call me? My oxymoronic self and Jana are ready to attack the All-Star Game. Well, last week we talked about phase one of the All-Star Game voting, and we're just a couple of weeks away from the All-Star Game. Uh, finally coming to Dodger Stadium. Yeah, finally. <laughs> uh, let's see. It was supposed to be there in 2020, and we know that didn't happen. And then there was an idea about it coming in 2021, but that was supposed to go to Atlanta. But then, of course, they had a whole bunch of non-baseball issues in Georgia that stopped that from happening. And now, 2022, and we're finally getting it here in Los Angeles. So the Dodgers will be hosting that, and... They'll have a weird week leading up to it, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Right now, let's talk about when we left off. We didn't know who was going to win phase one yet. We had a pretty good idea. And really, when we talked about it, only one of the two people we talked about made it through. There was a uh, a last-minute push, and we kind of talked about him too, I guess. But there was a last-minute push. Aaron Judge made his way through. No surprise there. He is the first starter for the American League team. The National League team, Mookie Betts was number one when last we spoke. Ronald Acuna Jr. was only around 70,000 votes behind. And a big ballot push from somewhere 
Ronald Acuna Jr. was able to uh, bypass Mookie, and he got that uh, guaranteed starter spot for the National League. So two yeah. outfielders are the two top vote getters, and that means that uh, the top two now from every position, with the exception of the outfield, that's the top four, have moved on for the next phase of all-star voting or phase two as they originally that's i mean mind-blowing what how they come up with these names and ideas for what to call it yeah voting is going on right now it'll go through till tomorrow at 2 p.m eastern time so you have to plan accordingly do math and do minus <laughs> three. So I have until 11 yes. Pacific time? Yep. Okay. And I have until 12. And uh, then on uh, they will announce the winners of the all-star starters on ESPN. And you can vote once a day. Only once a day? Day. Not like five times a day like it used to be once a day. Well, I think it might be once a day, but maybe they give you five chances to vote. In one day, uh, in one day, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't read about did it. One. And um, I didn't vote. I miss the you old days. You exercised your cards. freedom. Oh, yeah, those are fun. Those are, you go to the game, you get the punch card. We went to a game one of the last times that they had those. And Blanca and I were at the game and we had a whole bunch of them and we're sitting there. You know how you eat peanuts during game? You're shelling them, you throw them in. And it was like that. We were kind of doing the same thing, punching out for all the angels to play. And this guy saw us and we had a bunch of them. And he's like, they're rigging the all-star game. <laughs> like if we can help it. Yeah, just the two of you. If we can help it. Yes, we are. That's right. Yeah. They if I could do, do it now, anymore. I would have, you know, Tyler Wade, even though he got uh, DFA'd. Oops. I guess I let that out <laughs> a little too early. Um, <laughs> if I could vote enough times for him to actually make it, I would do it just because. Yeah. Why? Why because not? the people in Japan loved him. All right, we'll talk That's more right. about his fate. Who's moving on in the all-star balloting? Top two, and then the outfield, the top four. Now, we did have the top five outfielders included two angels when last we spoke. Yeah. But only one moved on. The other one, only one. Didn't, didn't get the extra votes and got overtaken by the team that I think has the most players on the list, which is the Blue Jays. Yeah, I think they have six on the list. Starting with catcher Alejandro Kirk, and he, is it like a battle now? Alejandro Kirk battling Jose Trevino for the catcher position, for the all-star position? I would guess, and, yeah. And then uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., no surprise there. And Ty France at first base. Jose Altuve 
and Santiago Espinal. Another Blue Jay. Uh, another Blue Jay. And you know who and we're rooting for to make it there is the Blue Jay. Yeah. Although I I did see, and I I'm I, I mean not completely surprised. Um, and I'm a little surprised that that uh, Altuve's doing as well as he is this time. But it's been since 2018 that he's been elected as a starter. And it's not as if he's not had all-star numbers. He's had a couple of down time frames. Uh, but overall, he's still been the same solid second baseman he's been all along. So, Huh. I didn't. Yeah, I would have thought that he would have just always been in the running there. I don't know. Uh. Third base, Jose Ramirez and Rafael Devers of Boston. And yep. then sh- shortstop, Beau Bichette, surprise of Toronto, and Tim Anderson of the White Sox. Who's my choice? I mean, not that I don't like Beau Bichette, but uh, there's just something about Tim Anderson. I'm a Tim Anderson fan. I like the way he plays. Uh, yeah. I hate and he's playing always against there. Him. Because he's always on base, even when it's not his turn. Somehow he's on base, and everybody's fine with it. When Tim Anderson's there, it's almost like there's a ghost runner at the beginning of every inning. He just goes and takes a base somewhere. Yeah, so he could totally do that in the All-Star game. Outfield, Mike Trout, George Springer. Giancarlo Stanton and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So two Blue Jays, an Angel, and a Yankee. So depending on how it goes, uh, Mike Trout's going to be there. Oh, so yeah. unless, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, my feeling is, is probably George Springer will hang in and be the third outfielder. But you've got, um, you could have two Yankees out there as well since Aaron Judge is already established uh, in there and then finally DH Jordan Alvarez of Houston and Shohei Otani you know I always wonder because Jordan Alvarez was traded from the Dodgers yes to Houston and he had never played a game for them in their system anywhere so it made me wonder, what if he had stayed with the Dodgers? What would be happening with him now? Oh, that's an interesting question. So maybe we need to get in the way back machine and go see. Stop that from happening. I don't know. We got to figure something out. I'd like to see how that would have played out. Of course, he would have had to play the field, and he's been DHing there for uh, quite a while. And, uh, yeah, and the, when he did play the field, he um, ran into, <laughs> sorry, when he was playing the outfield, he and uh, Michael Pena ran into each other and he had to be carted off the field. I think was he that, was okay. Was that but, Jeremy uh, Pena? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I said stuff? Michael. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm calling everybody Michael today. Okay. That works. So I don't Michael care. Michael Otani and Michael Alvarez. <laughs> I guess it'll work if we talk about Michael Trout. That's right. 
All right. Yeah, Jeremy Pena and Jordan Alvarez. So, yeah, he's probably a better DH than an outfielder. So, Michael Alvarez and Michael Pena. Okay. So, that's the American League. Who do we have with the National League? Who's our first baseman? Uh, I would think that uh, number one of the two would probably be Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, I am pretty sure Paul Goldschmidt. He's I'm having sorry, Mike Goldschmidt. Mike Goldschmidt. Mike Goldschmidt. <laughs> Paul Mike with quotes around it. <laughs> Goldschmidt. Um, he's having a great year. I mean, just like crazy, like stellar year. Um, but he's in the running with Paul Gold, uh, with uh, Pete Alonso. So, um, and Pete Alonso's having a good year too, but not anything like Paul. No. All right, second base. Second base, Ozzy Albies, but he's out with a fractured foot. So that's not going to work. And Jazz Chisholm Jr. of Miami. Not, uh, not a surprise on there. Now, how did what do in the balloting, as well as who? <laughs> I don't know. Third base. <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, Manny Machado and Nolan Arenado are the top for third base. Nolan and Arenado just had a just hit for the cycle the other day. Only the second hit time for the in his cycle. Career. He's and no Jared Manny, Walsh, but he's not bad. Yeah, and uh, Manny Machado, who is having a really good year carrying San Diego, um, we'll talk about him in the Dodger segment. But, in fact, uh, I think that Manny Machado, with the way that he's been playing overall, if it if not for Paul Goldschmidt, is probably the front runner for MVP. Um, yeah. Right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, shortstops. I think there's somebody we know at shortstop. Somebody we know, Trey Turner, and Dansby Swanson. Both free agents. Yes, they're going to be free agents. Trey could go to Atlanta and sign. And Dansby could sign with the Dodgers. They could. They could do a swap. Uh, But without the actual trade. I don't want to see that happen. No, I want to see Trey in Dodger blue. Yep. And I don't care what happens to Dansby. If he wants to come and be an angel, that's okay. But I'm not sure that I'm really all that. It matters that much. Yeah. I like his name. Yeah. It always sounds like he should be in a Jane Austen novel. Yeah. Mr. Swanson. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. He should be on Bridgerton or something like that, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. know if that, if that works. I've never seen that show. <laughs> I just saw I just saw a, uh, a thing. The Netflix screen was up on my TV, and I saw that come up. I don't know if that Yeah, it was like, works. because you like, and then it came up. Yeah, see, it wasn't under my thing because <laughs> they know I don't watch anything that somebody's not bleeding in. <laughs> All right, so we go to the outfield. Mookie Betts, number one. Well, I say number one, but yeah, at the top. And then Jocelyn, Jock Peterson, yes. And Starling Marte of the Mets and Adam Duvall of the Braves. Okay, so probably unless something changes, we'll probably see Mookie uh, make it in there. Hopefully Trey. Now, 
reserves and uh, and such are voted on by the players. So we're not really sure who we'll see. Plus then coaches, and then you got to start taking into account people who are injured. Uh, you know, will they be able to come back and play? Ty France, who is in the running at first base in Marion Lake, he is injured. Will he make it back? I mean, if you get if you get elected, then you still get you know all the things. You still get to wear the crown and the cape and carry the specter <laughs> or whatever. But um, right, wave to the crowd. You just don't play. Elbow, so they, elbow, wrist, uh, wrist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we didn't talk about catcher and designated oh, hitter. On either one either, did we? <laughs> no, either. we we did. We did on American Am I not League. Not National League. I don't <laughs> think so. Okay. Okay, catcher. so catcher Sorry. Wilson Contreras of yes. the Cubs and Travis uh Darno of the Braves. Another one and with the last name that could end up in one of those. He could be in the Count of Monte Cristo. Darno yes. was uh, the prison guard. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> now, the there house is man. a push. Darno, <laughs> come hither. There is a push. Stands be with you. There is a push because Wilson Contreras, who plays for the Cubs, is in the catcher position, and his brother is in designated hitter William Contreras of Atlanta. So the Contreras brothers are putting on a push like, hey, wouldn't it be fun to see brothers play in the all-star game? Ooh, I don't know. Not you know? you two. <laughs> and also the other designated like hitters, Bryce Ripken Harper. Brothers. Yeah. It's like, do you want to see Cal and Billy play together? No, you know what, Cal the dad and Cal Jr., maybe. But I don't care Not to Billy. see those two in there, you know? <laughs> no, no. It was fun when Wilson and William got to hug each other at the ballpark and play against each other then. That's enough. Yeah, I think that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, Bryce Harper is the other um, designated hitter, but he had surgery on his thumb, so we know that he... Will not be there. So that's the question then now. Who will pop up? Those guys could still get the votes, but obviously they're not going to take um, part in the game. Um, now the question, the biggest question that everybody's asking, and we haven't heard a lot about it, is home run derby. Yeah, we haven't heard anything. Usually by this point, you've heard like, yes, I'm definitely going to be in the home run derby. I think a lot of people would love to see Pete Alonzo three-peat. Um, I th I'd like to see Pete Alonzo, the polar bear. You know, can he can he do it three times in a row? Um, and then uh, I think Aaron Judge. Yes. Would be great. Aaron Judge, um, John Carlos Stanton is another one who would be okay there. I think that uh, I know that both um, both Otani and um, Mike Trout have been asked. Otani has said, "I don't know. I don't." It seems like he's not leaning towards kind of like I did it. That was fun. I don't want to do it again. Yeah, and um, and I also don't think that he's going to. Um, worry too much about the DH spot 
Um, because he, I don't know that he, it doesn't sound like he wants to do both things again. Last year was a special circumstance and it was like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. I do think that he'll be voted in or, um, selected as a pitcher. Oh yeah. Definitely. Even though, even though he's doing a lot better with the bat, he's been really solid, um, on the mound. And we'll talk more about how solid when we get to the angels section. And then Mike Trout, who's been asked many times and has never done it, doesn't seem like he's interested in it either. So the question yeah. is, who who do we have? You know, so I was what thinking are the guys? Kyle Schwarber, maybe. Okay. Uh, Byron Buxton. Yeah. Uh, I like Jocelyn. I think he is fun to watch. Um, so I think Jock Peterson, again, he's been in it once. Um, I think he now I said CJ Crone in my notes, but most of his home runs have come at Coors Field. So I don't know, you know, yeah. would he, if if he was in the home run derby at Dodger Stadium, well, how well would he do? You know, I saw him hit a home run in Dodger Stadium. He could do it. And remember, you know, it's not like it's like batting practice. Right. Yeah. So it's not as it's if not a game. So he wouldn't be a bad choice. I mean, you know, he's got a big bat like that. You know, the question is, is do you want guys who are like um, the the big home run hitters that are leading the league? You know, yeah. do you want like Jordan Alvarez? who's got 24 home runs on the season. He's second to Aaron judge. Um, Kyle Schwarber, you said is up there, Pete Alonzo. Um, there was been some questions too. Anthony Rizzo, who's over 20 at this point. Yeah. In the season. I had thought about him too. Who else from the national league? Uh, Austin Riley, who's I think in the top 10 in MLB uh, for uh, with about 20 home runs. That's the, that's the question, you know, do you want those kind of guys or in the NBA, it used to be with the, the slam dunk contest. It was always, um, guys, everybody knew but the last yeah. few times I've seen players that aren't like marquee names that are in the slam dunk contest. Do we want to see somebody like Luke Voigt from the Padres who has a big bat sometimes? I think he would be a good choice. Um, because he would come in. I mean, you think about it. When Pete Alonso first did the home run derby, how many people really knew Pete Alonso other than, of course, Mets fans? And Mr. and Mrs. Alonso. Yeah, right. So other than that, he wasn't really like well-known outside of Queens, probably, and wherever he's from. But Right. Um, and now when people think of the home run derby, they think of Pete Alonso because he's has dominated the event. So, yeah, I mean, I think that would be that would be good. Maybe have somebody in there that maybe kind of in the middle, but not at the top, you know, not with a lot of home runs, but kind of maybe in the middle comes in there. And I think maybe what about Patrick Wisdom from the Cubs might be another yeah. good one. He's he's in there round. 15 to 18 home runs, I think. 
on the season. He might be another one that might be. Um, you mentioned Kyle Schwarber. What about Reese Hoskins? Um, yeah. Could be another one there. I definitely think Jock should do it just because, you know, he's got to strike the iron while it's hot. That's right. He does. And he he's just fun. He's just a fun guy to watch play. And I think it'd be fun to see Jocelyn. And what um, about like guys? That's why like I, I'm thinking about, you know, Patrick Wisdom. Um, what about uh, uh, Christian Walker from the Diamondbacks? He's uh, oh, yeah. he's hitting some. So maybe we get some of these guys who are on. So there's a little more the teams that everybody knows. Everybody knows Aaron Judge is going to is hitting home runs and everybody knows the Yankees. The Yankees right. are on all the time. Giancarlo Stanton, even, um, you know, Kyle Schwarber. Not everybody knows that he's hitting home runs like that in Philly. Um, Jack Suwinski. Yeah. You know, or maybe even any one of these pirates lately. But Suwinski, definitely. Um, Brandon Drury from Cincinnati might be another guy who's they've got some um, they've got some swagger to their home run swing. They're, uh, you know, leading their teams or are high up. Um, you know, it's funny because when you look at the the top 10 of like the National League, Mookie Betts is up there with what, like 16 or 17. Yet, I don't want to see him in a home run contest. No, I wouldn't either. And How about Rowdy Telez? Yeah, there you go. Rowdy Telez would be a great one. Not only Rowdy Telez. Would be a good one, but I was thinking maybe uh, Daniel Vogelbach makes when I hear oh, Rowdy yes. Telez, I think Daniel Vogelbach. And you yeah. get some of these guys who you know they're not prolific home run hitters, but they could be fun to watch going out yeah. there and over again because some of the guys that are leading, um, leading the the leagues nationally, American league, like I said, I don't want to see Mookie Betts hit that, uh, I don't want to see Jose Altuve in there especially no. not kyle tucker um but or rafael devers for that matter uh you know so it's like uh, you know or maybe jose ramirez might be kind of fun to watch i don't know yeah but some of those guys that are you know you're just not you don't know them as well and you know they hit some they might hit some monster home runs could be fun to have those guys in there and because uh, the, the Mike Trouts of the world aren't going to do it. And, uh, you know, Pete Alonzo doing it. Does he have to? He's got nothing else to prove. But no. So hopefully we'll have some uh, answers on who's going to be part of that when we uh, we get to you next week. But so far, uh, at least as of uh, the recording of this episode, still pretty quiet. Of course, you'll find that on uh, All Star Monday uh, on ESPN, the Home Run Derby. And uh, if I live close enough, I would. Um, oh, wait, I do. But tickets to everything connected to the All Star game are insanely insp- expensive and sold out in most cases. So we'll we'll run down what's happening All Star game wise as we get closer. And uh all-Star Game Week could uh, work out for you and your wardrobe as well. More details on that coming up. But first, I didn't really even know how to get here. With the angels. But first, but first, 
the angels. Right. Ugh. Um, there's just Rhett Bollinger, who is a beat writer for uh, the angels, had a, and, and as you can imagine, if you're a big baseball fan like we are, we get, um, you know, the newsletters or alerts from different people about our teams, especially the Dodgers and the Angels for us, and then major league stuff. So we kind of can watch stuff because as much as we try to watch everything, it's it's hard. And, um, well, for me now, for you, it was always hard because you had a bunch going on. For me, for a long time, I wasn't doing anything. So I had all kinds of time. Now, I found that it's a lot easier in the world if you're making some sort of a paycheck than struggling through without. So anyway, that aside. And the line on his email and part of his story was, I guess his byline would be for that. I don't know if that would be correct in this case because it was part of the email. But whatever, his tagline, his clickbait, um, the angels have a June to remember. And at that point, I wondered if maybe Rhett was like in a time machine. I did see Back to the Future recently. I'm thinking maybe he went back in time and was in another June with the angels. But I guess in one way, they did have a June to remember because those who are who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Um, it seems as though we have no clue about our past because the angels, among other parts of our world, are repeating it constantly. But it, it was a point that, you know, there were a lot of things that happened in June. Joe Madden got fired. Second Joe of the season. First American League Joe. Only American League Joe. But he's fired. They're changing things. And then we're going into uh, a series. We're, we're, we're closing out, even though we'll be beyond the first half in total numbers of games played before we get to the All-Star break. That kind of closes out the first half of the season. You got the midsummer break as they call it, and which, how does that? July 4th is towards the beginning of summer, technically. Right. Summer solstice yeah, was really, Yeah. So it's, it's not because July. because everybody yeah, thinks that summer. Memorial Day is kind of the unofficial start of summer. And mm -hmm. I guess from a school aspect, July 4th is kind of the middle because everybody goes back to school in about a month, month and a week. It's not like before where you didn't go to school until after Labor Day. Or right around Labor Day. So. Lots happen. The Angels are coming out of. What should have been something that got them fired up last week. In their brawl. With the Mariners. Right. And I think a lot of people were hoping that that was going to be the case. Like, this is going to be the catalyst that makes them win. 
they're going to come together and just win. It's hard to come together when 12 members of your team, coaches and everybody included, have been <laughs> suspended. Yeah, right? and you have a different interim manager like every night or every two nights or something and like that. Some nights, it's not even just an interim manager. It's the interim, 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 interim manager, interim manager, interim manager. Twice removed, I guess. I don't know how that works. Um, so, you know, you had you had like the assistant catching coach. I think one night, one of the bat boys. What's the manager? The, the manager, because they didn't have anybody else. Everybody. Right. And I know that it was nice of MLB to kind of stagger things out a little bit because they, you know, they've got guys that got that. Phil Nevin's out for 10 days, period. Yeah. Then you had Ray Montgomery, the bench coach. He was out, I think, two nights. So right now you've got, um, I think he's the catching coach. I don't remember. Uh, Haslam who um who will be managing in Miami for the the two games there or did one game in Miami and then the other one was the last game uh that they played uh versus um Chicago I mean Houston this this week's games Chicago and Houston so here they're coming out of that and so you're like all right are we fired up? You've got a Chicago team who has been told not to hustle. You guys have got too many injuries from hustling. We need you to be more Manny Machado-like. That's right. You don't need to be Johnny on the spot. You need to just you take don't your time have, to first base. You don't have to rush down there and turn an ankle or pull a hamstring or whatever too many so they were told to take it easy and i don't know i didn't notice that they were because once again tim anderson seemed like he was always on base every time i saw him he'd be in the batter circle or on base i think he was on base when the angels were up i'm i i don't know how it works He's just always on base. Game one, saw Thor back on the mound. Uh, seven Ks over seven innings, only gave up six hits and three runs. Uh, it really looked like the way things were set up. Thor for seven. Tapera came in for eight. Iggy picked up the save in nine. And they grabbed uh, the win in the first uh, first game of the series. Four to three, um, Taylor Ward, who didn't make it into the top five in the all-star voting, but I think he might very well make it as a reserve. Um, Captain Caveman Caveman. with a triple and a three for four night. Squid actually had an RBI. He can't hit anything. He's a great defensive player, but... And we'll talk about the bottom of the Angels lineup in a minute. Um, hey, Mike Trout was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. No. I The hell I say, right? Nope, that's true. Uh, he was there. Oh, by the way, Tim Anderson on base twice, two stolen bases. And I guess that doesn't include when he was on 
ghost running for the Angels, I, I guess. Uh, they they faced up with uh, Lucas Giolito, who um, gave up two runs to him, struck out six Angels over six innings pitched. Um, so it was a it was a pretty decent game overall. It, you felt like okay, not what we were hoping coming out of a brawl the day before. We wanted you to come out and smack those guys from the south side of Chicago in the mouth because they're from the baddest part of town. They're tough. Yeah, you and want they the smackdown, and they barely, like... They squeaked by. They're a little too nice. That's it. Yeah. And so the next night, they send Chase Silseth, who had a good first outing, and okay second outing. He's showing that he needs more time in the minors. Needs to keep working it. Needs some AAA time because he's been pitching for the trash panda. And not that the trash pandas and and double A isn't a good place, but eventually you need to play because you're going to see a lot of guys at triple A who are guys who are right on the verge or who have been in the show and know how to play in the show. So you're, it's a, a little more comp, a better competition, higher level of competition. He goes down uh, after f- about four innings and uh, gave up five hits and three runs. But part of the problem they had um, that night was um, a guy named Johnny Coyne who I learned that night had never lost to the angels in his career. Really? Yeah. I, wow. I am this day old that I learned that. And you were hoping that the angels would go, well, not tonight, Johnny, Uh, uh-uh, brother, not today, brother, not today. Well, that didn't work. Nope. Uh, although Mike Trout did go one for four and hit a home run. Shohei three for three. Two RBIs, a home run, two doubles. And you would think, great. And it was a three-home run night for the Angels. Squid, who I just was complaining about not being able to hit, hits a home run. We're thinking, oh, this is awesome. This is it. Um, Yeah, that was it. Four runs. That was it. The end. Thank you for stopping by. Um, The the White Sox uh, go on to thump. The Angels, 11 to four. Luis Robert, three for five with a home run. Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, heard that guy again, three for six. Josh Harrison with a home run and three RBIs. Um, Joe Kelly, I guess, thought that he was a Mariner because he threw a pitch in high and tight to Mike Trout that were like, eh, that was kind of up towards his head. And I was like, well, that's that's Joe Kelly. Chances He's trying are, to get something started. That's it. He's like, oh, you guys, you guys fought with the Mariners. Ooh, big deal. You want to fight so with somebody? Scary. Hey, you've done nothing until you made me pout at you. And that is where it's at. So anyway, things didn't, uh, things didn't play out for him that day. Um, but there were no brawls. I guess everybody knew that's Joe Kelly. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's just Joe being Joe. Joe. (laughs) You know, you almost walk away from it going, hey, I got JK'd. (laughs) I got Joe Kelly'd. (laughs) You almost feel, you know, like Joe likes me. He really likes me. (laughs) But there were some tipped pitches. Or were there? I don't know. I'm kind of confused. Mike Trout thought there was. Yes. Uh, Elvis Paguero comes in 
And Elvis hasn't been having, let's just say that um, you could almost announce Elvis has left the building before Elvis ever gets in the building, really. Um, and, you know, they leave him in there because he's okay. Um, you know, there's, I mean, I couldn't pitch probably as well as he does. But Elvis was pitching, and um, you may have seen this. If you follow, you know, things on uh, Twitter or uh, it popped up on probably like Sports Center and MLB's uh, shows. Mike thought that Elvis was tipping his pitches and was like out there, like, "Hey, showing him what are you doing?" I mean, he's very demonstrative about it. Yeah. And uh, and he's been this season. He's been um, not afraid to show his confusion or disdain for whatever's happening. When Joe Madden walked, um, Corey Seager. Corey Seager, uh, you know, with the ba- bases loaded walk, intentional walk. He was like, what did I, what? what's happening here? Yeah. This, it was not. Where am I? <laughs> right. Uh, am I in the tri- twilight zone? So he's like, Ugh, okay. Now, if I'm Elvis Paguero and I'm the angels, I'm going to go into the dugout when I'm asked about it because Mike Trout said it. Now, if it's Andrew Velasquez. Or Brandon Marsh, Captain Caveman out there. Or David McKinnon, the rookie. I'm going to go, no, I was just, I was trying. This was a thing we were doing. The pit, Matt Wise and I knew, the pitching coach, knew it. And we were just working through to deceive the hitters. Making them think I was tipping my pitch. Now, Mike Trout said this. I'm going to go in there and go, thanks to Mike, I realized what I was doing and I fixed it. Because I'm not going to leave my leader. I'm not going to throw him under the bus like that. Like, hey, Mike, you're the only one that's fooled by this. Uh, No, nobody was fooled by it. Because whether you were tipping your pitches or not, you're not that good. And they were hidden. I've never heard of any pitcher tipping pitches on purpose. Well, maybe they were doing it that way because they have to try something different. Nothing else is so. Make hey, it, why don't you make, tip your pitches? I think you know why doesn't why isn't Max Stassi or um, Kurt Suzuki or or Matt Dice who uh, who caught uh, a little bit uh, during the Houston series? Why don't they just come back and do like in Sandlot? Here comes the number one or or Bull Durham. Yeah, yeah. here comes the deuce, Charlie. And when you speak of me, speak well. He's like, uh, he he teed off on it like he knew what I was going to pitch. It's like he did. Because I told him, you're tipping your pitches anyway. We're just going to, hey, what do you think? Number one, why do we need the pitch com or special sign? Change up. Yeah, change up. Whatever that is in Japanese for Shohei. Right. Curveball. Yeah, just put it on the on the Jumbotron. Or we we could just <laughs> have Ipe, uh, his, his uh, interpreter, just yell it from the dugout. Yeah. And then everybody who knows Japanese will know that it's the curveball. Anyway, so they don't win that night. Uh, although a little better offensive showing uh, from the main uh, from the main two anyway. Game three, Shohei on the mound. Now remember, last time he pitched, struck out thirteen, went eight innings. This time he didn't go quite as far. He only uh, went five and two thirds, but he didn't give up any runs, only five hits, and struck out eleven. Yeah. Iggy comes in uh, at the end of the game, grabs uh, his 15th save on the season. Uh, Renhifo 
Luis has uh, finally seemed to be getting past his struggles and uh, had a good night. Uh, home run, two for three, two RBIs. Mike Trout with a double and an RBI. Um, it was um, they struck out 16 times uh, as a team, though. It just this is an issue that's coming up, and we'll talk a little bit more about it after we kind of t- roll through with the asterisks. And uh, we'll just get it out of the way now. And if you don't already know, the asterisks swept the Angels. In the first two games, the Angels struck out, what, 12 times the first time, 16 times the second game. And then in the third game, struck out like a, a MLB record 20 times. 20 times to tie the major league record for a nine-inning game. The last time that happened, the Detroit Tigers did it. In 2019, right, and that wasn't a very good team there either. This is, and that was a team that had a four has a MVP on it. Miggy Cabrera was there. Yeah, well, and the, the Angels, as of Sunday, have struck out 730 times, 38 times, which is 34 more times than any other club. And their hitting coach says, you know, things happen. It was just a bad day. They they talked to. Um, they talked to Phil Nevin. Now, here's the deal with his thing. Phil can be around the team, except at game times. So he's on the road with them. He'll be able to get back in the dugout for the last two games of the Baltimore series. He talks to them. Um, he can talk to them before games. Then he stays at the hotel. He can talk to them after games, but he can't be around them during. And he was asked, and Sam Blum of The Athletic wrote an article that basically said, The Angels have a toxic positivity problem. That was his byline. And Phil Nevin, who I guess wants this job long-term, maybe he doesn't, I don't know. I think he's going to be, he'll almost be suspended as long as he was in the chair to start with. But he says it depends on the strikeout when he was asked about them striking out. It depends on the strikeout. And you're like, what, what do you mean? Well, it's better than a double play. And yeah, you're right there. It is better than a double play because it's only one out, not two. However, with the way you guys are playing, it might as well be worth two outs. The next guy's going to strike out too, or there's a really good chance they're going to strike out based on how everything's going. And it makes me wonder, what are they, what's going on? What are they talking about? Mike Trout versus the Asterix, 0 for 11, nine strikeouts. And yet he still has all-star and MVP numbers. So it says a lot about him, but Mike, we need you to be doing more than hitting a home run here or a home run there. We need you to not be striking out. These guys, when you're on it, maybe these guys will follow you. The other question I have is about the lineup for the Angels. There's not a consistent lineup. It doesn't seem like. There was with Joe Madden, I think for the most part, but now there's not a consistent lineup. And I don't know if that has anything to do with what's going on as far as offensively. Um, I would think it has something because at least you know where you are And you want to put your top three guys, you know, one, two, three. But, like, on Sunday, 
they had picked up, the Angels picked up Jonathan Villar, and he went, he batted, he was a leadoff, 0 for 3. Got a walk and had two strikeouts. Um, and then Trout, 0 for 4, two strikeouts. Otani, 1 for 4, two strikeouts. I mean, it was just, I don't see the logic of the lineup. It's almost like it's a dartboard. And there's some guys that are consistent, you know, like, okay, yeah, you're going to be the number two or number three hitter. Well, you always know but, pretty much Trout, Otani, right. Jared Walsh. And then Taylor Ward had gotten in there where he was leading off a lot or, you know, batting uh, fourth sometimes with Walsh at five. But even then, it didn't really matter what happened up there because if you had Taylor Ward and batting leadoff, followed by Trout, then Otani, then Walsh, and then nothing. Yeah. Max Stassi, who had been pretty consistent, is batting 100. You know what? 150, I think, now. He's not yeah. hitting anything. He's not. I, I'm, I'm just wondering what happened. That well, none of these guys, and that whole bottom part of the order is just like, hey, we just get for, through the first couple of guys, and Mike Trout's not even doing anything, so we uh, we'll be okay. It doesn't really matter who we throw at him. Yeah, and I I have to wonder about the hitting coach. Um, if I was in management of the Angels, <laughs> I'd be talking to the hitting coach, especially with what he's saying, because he doesn't seem in the interview I read. He doesn't seem too concerned. Well, it doesn't sound like any of them sound concerned. You hey, just it's heard just Phil like, Nevin. Well, yeah. Oh, it's better than a double play. Yeah. Okay. But he's just, just like, oh, they're busting their butts. They're getting out there. They're doing the work. And they just had a bad day. But they so, had three bad days. Then they had six bad days. They had 14 bad days in a row. <laughs> right. Uh, at mean, some in point. The, in this uh, series with the um, Astros, they 48 times they struck out. 48 times across three games. I know. It's, it's, it's insane what they're doing. And when you go through and you look, um, pitching-wise, uh, Michael Lorenzen, only three innings. Gave up yeah. eight runs in those three innings. Um, Patrick Sandoval, kind of a standard, struck out nine, but he gave up five runs over five innings. And then uh, Andrew Wants and Aaron Loop, giving up two runs each. There's so many issues. Like I said, Luis Renjifo was one of the players that um, that kind of came through and provided. In the last game, they scored two runs. He hit a home run. Uh, they called up Michael Stefanik, who was somebody who was on the bubble to be part of the team and then went to the minors and over oh, three, three strikeouts. Uh, they DFA'd Captain Jack, who wasn't doing anything either. So it's not like it was a great loss or like, whoa, what'd you do that for? So they DFA'd him to bring up Stefanik. Tyler Wade, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, DFA for Jonathan Villar. 
you know, and the and the asterisks, I gotta, I hate it, but they're they've got a good solid team. Yeah, and, they do. And the pitching, I was actually surprised when I saw that we had scored two runs uh, versus the asterisks because Fromber Valdez was on the mound. Now he still ends up going for six innings and only gave up those two runs. And part of the problem for them, for the angels is, is that, uh, Michael Jeremy Pena, um, he went four for five and hit two home runs in the game. And, but the other guys, you know, the game before it's Altuve, Tucker, McCormick, Maldonado, Maldonado hit two home runs in that game. And even Martin Maldonado, who was an angel for about a year and a half, had something to say about Mike Trout. He said, I've never seen him like this. In the time that I played with him, he never did this. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, he's just looking at the at pitches. Well, just and right down the middle. They were talking about this, about how sometimes players are off with the batter's eye, which is sure. usually center field, whatever it is. It's it's dark out there. There's no there's nothing on it in Houston. It's green with the wall. And then they've got like a a, a, a hedge kind of thing there. And it's got a star. It's got that Houston star in it. And Mike Trout's watching pitch go right down the middle. And it's like, it just seems like he doesn't see the ball there at all. And that minute made is really the exact opposite of T-Mobile in Seattle for him. Where he seems <laughs> yeah. to see everything. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know what you, what you do with it. You know, he just, he's, he's off completely. Um, over the week, he was two for 19, one home run, 10 strikeouts with a one Oh five batting average. He didn't walk once. They didn't even intentionally walk him at some point, which of course is because nobody was getting on base around him anyway. So it wasn't a big deal. Shohei, on the other hand, batting 300, six for 20, four walks, two home runs, two doubles, four RBIs. So he's carrying his part of the load, but Mike's falling off. Where do we go from here? And the whole bottom part of this lineup, at one point you would have thought this was a team. And the pitching, we don't, is it just a slump time for the pitching? Um, Thor is, is pitching consistently, but it's not great. Sometimes it's not even that good, but he's able to stay in there and pitch long enough so that we're not using up a lot of the bullpen because the bullpen's down too. And there's not really a lot of places there. There's teams that, and when we talk about the Dodgers, we'll talk about the bullpen and some positives that are coming or that if they could get one guy, this team needs a lot of players at the trade deadline. And the question is, what are they going to do? They ha really don't have anybody they can trade um, that would be like, hey, so we could get a, another frontline starter or a bat. Um, you know, there's no idea what's going to happen when David Fletcher comes back. Because a lot of teams had figured out David Fletcher. Is he going to be able to get back in there and help at, towards the bottom of the lineup and get things going? It's just. It's ridiculous. Yes, and there are so many questions, and firing Joe Madden 
were, was that supposed to answer questions? I think it just made more questions and maybe even made things worse. Yeah, I think so too. So the Angels will head to Miami, or they did, uh, by the time you listen to this, and then uh, to Baltimore for four over the weekend, uh, starting today. And uh, and we'll talk about that uh, next week. Hopefully uh, they can maybe turn around, get a couple of wins on the road, um, because when they come back home, they're going to have to deal with Houston again. And they they can't take Houston on in the same state that they're in now. Um, you know, Houston has been um, right there with them or just in front of them. And they, in head-to-head, if they had stayed with them all this time, head-to-head and, and beat them, they could have taken over. But at this point, all they're doing is finding themselves dropping farther and farther. And the only thing that they can be happy about is that the A's really just gave away everybody and will probably give away more, at least a couple of pitchers um, by the end, uh, by the trade deadline. So I don't see them being buyers. I see them probably standing pat. Uh, and if they do make any moves, it'll be like uh, this pitcher that they picked up from Atlanta this last week. Um, uh, I don't Chuki even remember. Tuki Toussaint, and uh, he's a, he went to AAA. Who knows what he'll do, but uh, I'm sure he'll be up uh, before the end of the season. So let's take a look at uh, Player of the Week. You uh, you have one? I do. And I went through everything, and I went with Taylor Ward because he seemed to be most consistent as far as at least getting a hit. In, you know, uh, or run, you know, scoring a run. Um, he was six for 17, so 352 batting average. He did have a double. I mean, it's not stellar. It's he not. Did, he usually... did hit a home run. He was the one run oh, that he in the nine to one loss in game two versus That's right. Houston. So. so. You know, but he he contributed, and so that's what I was looking for was some consistency, and so I went with Taylor Ward. Yeah, he was one of three hits in that game. They only had two hits in game one. They just they couldn't do anything. They couldn't couldn't get it. Now I had considered um, Taylor Ward because yes, he's there and he's been consistent. He's the uh, you know it felt like he fell off, but he's been more consistent. Uh, overall than uh, than Mike Trout's been recently. And uh, I just, I didn't go that route. Um, I went with Luis Renjifo this time, um, just simply because he, his name popped up a couple times where he had a hit here and a hit there. Uh, a home run uh, was, uh, you know, the reason why the Angels had a lead in that last game versus Houston. Uh, two home runs, three RBIs, and a two seventy three batting average for the week. So that's my guy. Um, you know, I would be more than happy to every week rotate between giving it to Mike Trout and uh, Shohei Otani, Jared Walsh, Taylor Ward, between those four, or at least those top three, if we could get those guys doing something consistently every week. And losses or not, if they could at least 
uh, be carrying the team like uh, we would love them to. That would be fantastic. It's time for Dodger baseball. So the Dodgers left out of Atlanta after conquering the Braves. They rolled through Atlanta like Sherman did, mostly. The problem is, though, they played the late Sunday game. So they get into Colorado because they play. It's an all NL West week. They play the Rockies in Denver and they go home for the Padres. They get there. It's hard to adjust to Denver anyway. I, from what I understand, they didn't get there till like three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then you get to the room and then you try to settle in and, you know, so it was a, it was a short day and it's hard to, um, to get yourself acclimated. Tyler Anderson, uh, took the hill for, uh, the Dodgers on game one as the Rockies were celebrating the avalanche winning the Stanley mm-hmm. cup. Yeah, very exciting. So they were inspired (laughs) by seeing an actual championship trophy there. Which has been there before because the Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup before. Uh, Unlike the Rockies have never won a piece of metal from the MLB. But they seemed inspired and Tyler Anderson was tired. Six innings. Gave up 10 hits and four runs. Former Angel Jose Iglesias with a home run. And Chad Kuhl did something. A rarity. Complete game. Yeah. Nine innings. Gave up three hits. No runs. Had five strikeouts. Um, He was cool on the mound. Cooled the Dodgers bats for sure. They couldn't do anything with him. Um, Freddie Freeman was one for four, and Gavin Lux was two for three with a double. That was pretty much the (laughs) excitement as far as offense was concerned. But they were shut out. And I really, to be honest, I didn't think that the Dodgers were going to do well in this game. Because of playing late the Sunday night game, and then they went into Zinnings. So I I didn't have much hope that they, you know, I always want them to pull out a win, but it was like, eh, they just look tired. They just were listless. If they could have followed up the next night strong, that would that probably would have made some of the difference. Now they did play a little bit better the next night. Freddie was two for five, um, but uh, Kyle Freeland, who seems to kind of have their number a lot of times, um, six hits and three runs is all he gave up over six innings. Um, Kirsch on the mound only went four innings. He gave up nine hits and six runs. Two home runs. And he said, they asked him after the game, they said, uh, do you think it was because you're pitching here at Coors Field? And he said, 
I don't think it would have mattered where I pitched. It was going to be bad. Um, At least he was honest. Yeah, he did. He owned up to it. Uh, But yeah, a little better result. I mean, 7-4. Freeland did give up two home runs in that game to Hanser Alberto and to Max Muncy. Um, Trey Turner had a home run late. Um in that game, but not this enough to, came up to pull them through. Yeah. Yep. Couldn't do it. They needed the two days to acclimate themselves from the time zone change. And then maybe the elevation. I don't know. <laughs> maybe a little of both. Yep. And then the thing that I kind of raised an eyebrow about was like, well, they haven't looked that good overall in two games. And now Herman Marquez hits the mound. And he's um, he's pretty tough as well, but he only lasted uh, a little over three innings, gave up five hits and five runs to the uh, to the Dodgers. Yeah, um, I was concerned too in this third game when I saw Marquez was on the mound. The uh, Rockies have always played the Dodgers tough, and especially um, they play them tough when they're you know, at home. And, uh, yeah, Herman Marquez only three and a third. Um, I think there was something going on. Maybe if I remember right, maybe a blister, something was happening with his hands. So, um, That's right. I did see him leave game. with, uh, with the trainer. Yeah. Julio Urias though, was on the mound. His last outing at, Coorsfield was disastrous at the beginning of the season. This time, better results, uh, five and a third innings, gave up six hits, did give up three runs, had five strikeouts, um, but did look better on the mound as he has been looking as he's gone through his starts. Uh, and then the bullpen came in, uh, Bruce Star Gratterall um, gave up two hits, but no runs. It was Reyes, uh, Maranta, who gave up um, one of those runs, uh, I think he gave up a home run. So, and well, then David Price, only one, you know, one more run. That was it. Yeah, one more. But uh, uh, home runs from Freddie Will Smith and Cody Bellinger in that game, and then Trey Turner. Once again, that guy's name keeps popping up for some reason. Yeah, Trey Turner. He was uh, one for five, two RBIs, and uh, just being really consistent with that top spot there. Uh, Freddie Freeman, two for four, as you mentioned, a home run. Um, it did start raining, and you could hear you could hear lightning. There's no thunder, just lightning, and you could hear the whole crowd <laughs> go boo! Like they're like, no, we want this. Maybe game. they were and- trying to provide the thunder sound. Maybe <laughs> they maybe they were. How they sounded like was in Colorado. Maybe thunder sounds like boo. Maybe <laughs> it did good. Not sure. So uh, Belly's home run came in the rain as mm-hmm. the umpires were letting him play through the mountain rain. Nice. So they uh, they wrap up with a win, eight to four, <clears throat> and head home to take on the Padres and body bags to be given out as well as I believe the Trey Turner bobblehead during 
the homestand and those body, those Jose Altuve size, um, oh, cross body bags. I keep right. forgetting <laughs> that part. Cross body. That is the important part of that. And not, if you just say body bags, that is concerning. <laughs> uh, so the, um, we, we didn't talk too much about uh, pitchers that uh, could be starting in the all-star game, but the, the Dodgers had to face somebody who probably will be part of the all-star staff in Joe Musgrove uh, yeah. from the Padres. And really, um, there was really only one guy to talk about offensively in this game. One guy, and, you know, he's not that big of a deal. Um, not he's not, not a big, And he's not a big threat. Not a big threat. No. And uh, that would be Justin Turner. The garden gnome. Yes. That's any, you know, apparently he thought Musgrove thought he was going to hit like one. Funny enough, who hits the best in the lineup against Joe Musgrove? Uh, Justin Turner. Uh-huh. <laughs> so apparently analytics aren't working for you there. And uh, in San Diego's Bob Melvin not uh, sharing the information. Joe Musgrove. Three for three. So. Yeah. And uh, two home runs, is that right? Two home runs. He was the offense. He, they had three runs, and they were all Justin Turner uh, doing. Jake Lamb did um, get a triple in that game. Yep. But, uh, yep, JT was it. Mitch White uh, was on the hill to start it all. And then that was kind of, you know, kind of becomes a, uh, a bullpen game. But I will say about Mitch White, I mean, he went four and two-thirds innings. He gave up six hits, but he held the Padres to one run and so um, and had three strikeouts. So he, you know, looked his looked more confident on the mound. And uh, Manny Machado strikeouts three in this game. Nice. Strikeout watch is three. So they feel it looks like they're feeling pretty good about being back home at the ravine. Uh, they've got, they, this is a series that they want to win because the Padres are a team that can be on their heels potentially the rest of the season. Um, you know, we'll see how they do, you know, they were that way last season, then faded off pretty strong and that got Jock Peterson slapped. So we'll have to see, you know, if somebody's going to get slapped after the Padres fall off this season. Um, but they, uh, they, they come out and, uh, hold the Padres to only one run for the second night. Yeah. Second night, one run. Tony Gonsolin is on the mound and he goes seven and two thirds innings. I think it's his longest outing of the season. Gives up four hits, only run one run. Um, and that was a home run to Trent Grisham, but he had eight strikeouts. And um, then Evan Phillips comes in and Craig Kimbrell comes in and does his job and saves the game. Doesn't um, blow the save. No, doesn't blow the save. It wasn't a save opportunity, though. It wasn't a save opportunity, but he he, he didn't, didn't blow mess it up. His time. He did. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, at least he didn't mess it up. Uh, or as Bob Uecker said in Major League, well, you got to give it to him. At least he didn't spike himself. 
that's true. So Max yeah, Muncy had a home run in this game. Cody Bellinger had a home run in this game. And they win in spite of not a bad outing from Blake Snell, with uh, who struck out twelve Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, twelve Ks. I in mean, twelve Ks, but he comes up on the losing end. I mean, he has like a, I think it's zero and six, is his record. He just when he pitches, he's striking batters out, but he's not. They're not winning the game. Blake nope so so he takes that loss um Tony Gonsolin first 10 game winner in uh in uh National League I think in MLB it's got the uh the lowest um ERA in the National League and uh, right now I would say he's um he'd be an odds-on favorite for a starter on uh for the National League oh yeah I think so too I think also we could also put in there Julio Urias as somebody that might be on the pitching staff for the all-star game. Um, he's been really consistent, um, started out not great on the season, but has shown, um, shown consistency since then has looked really good. Uh, strikeout watch for Manny Machado. He was a pinch hitter in this game and he struck out. Oh, yeah, another one. All right, so we go to uh, game three of this four-game series. And uh, once again, the Dodgers don't seem to be giving in. They are raining on the potential parade through the gas lamp. And uh, as uh, there was a a post, I know you sent me, it was a tweet that was a, it was a fake tweet. It was a, you know, uh, fake account like that or, or a, a parody account. Yeah. And uh, the um, they had said that uh, Manny Machado said he, he wasn't about to miss out on the uh, the series with the Dodgers because this is like our World Series. And it was a parody account, but that quote seemed so real. <laughs> like he it would did. totally say that. It really did feel like it. Uh, so the Dodgers do them in again. Seven to two. They let him get one more run this time. They did uh, on this one. Luke Luke Voigt. We talked about him maybe being in a home run derby. Had a home run. Uh, Tyler Anderson on the mound. Six and a third innings. Looked a lot better. Um, at home than in Colorado, gave up six hits, one run, six strikeouts in this game, and a lot of home runs. We had back-to-back home runs from Freddie Freeman and Will Smith, and JT had a home run. Right. And then I wanted to mention in the game before, Trace Thompson has been swinging a pretty decent bat, and I want to make sure he gets a little love there because he's – you know, hasn't always done that. And he's back and he's been actually a pretty decent contributor. He's actually been um, a, a good pickup overall. Oh, with yeah. The way that he's been playing. I think, yeah, he was in that um, five to one game uh, win. He was two for four um, in that game. And he's coming up and he's getting these hits where, you know, they need them and then it like starts something. It'll start a rally or, it'll, you know, it'll s- 
start something. And, um, yeah, he's looking a lot better. And I think um, he's very – he's really well-liked in the clubhouse. Everybody likes him. Um, they enjoy playing with him. So I really hope for him that he – you know, that that this is a long-term thing for him. I've always liked – I liked Trace Thompson when he was on the Dodgers before um, and things just didn't work out. But they uh, things they, are looking better. That's good. Yeah, it's good. I hope for him, too, that uh, that he's able to stick around and, and continue to contribute. Uh, they took out uh, former Dodger Hugh Darvish uh, on, uh, in that game. Uh, like I said, 7-2 for the finale of the uh, four-game set. Um, well, one good thing going into it, Mookie Betts back from his cracked rib. And yeah. before we get anywhere, we saw something and we never found out what happened with Dave Roberts and Max Muncy. And Dave was like hands talking. He was hand talking and he was like, and it's very demonstrative. And it seemed like Max wasn't like arguing back. They were having a conversation. So I don't know what was going on. Maybe not that big of a deal. Nobody talked about it that I ever saw. Yeah, I never saw what happened. I saw at one point Dave Roberts had his hands together, almost like he was pleading. You know, I don't know that that's what he was doing. Hit the ball. Yes, please hit the ball. Please. Please. Um, I wish we could have found that out because in Sunday's game, he had another conversation. Exactly. Similar with Gavin Lux. But that one, we knew what it was about, even if we didn't know what he was saying. Uh, right. As we just mentioned, Mookie Betts back off of the um, IL, the crack rib, which came from colliding with somebody else. Right, Cody Bellinger. Field, right. So, and this is something that I've seen Gavin Lux do many times before. We talked about it last season with him in the outfield. So Gavin is, there's a ball that's hit shallow-ish right field. Well, Mookie's coming up on it. It's Mookie's ball. You can see Mookie saying, it's my ball. Gavin Lux is going back for it. Apparently, Gavin Lux has clogged up ears. When he goes after fly balls, because he's almost on top of Mookie before, and you would think if he knew as Mookie's coming towards him, he would go off to, as you're looking at the screen, to the left of Mookie. But instead, he kind of cuts in front of Mookie to get out of the way. Now, Mookie makes the catch, but it could have distracted him. It could have, yeah. He could have run into Mookie even then because he still was very close. And when he got back to the dugout, and they did talk about this on air. Yes. About Doc going going off on Lux. Like, we just got the guy back from a cracked rib, and you're out there trying to take him out again? You're not a yeah. linebacker. Yeah. And he was like we face to, to face with him. You know, when he was talking to, to um, 
to Max Muncy, there was a little bit of a distance, you know, but he was, you know, talking with his hands. This time he had his hands, you know, his arms like on Lux's shoulders, looking at him in the eye, like, don't take Mookie out. Or don't don't do take it. anybody out. Stop, right. But stop doing this. But he has that he it's like you're at this position, you're second base, you don't need to go for that ball. That's not your that's not where you play. But he's done this like multiple well, times. And he did it a couple of weeks ago with Cody Bellinger. Yeah. And and Cody Cody saw what was going on and slid. And it, the way it looked from different angles, it looked like it went um, off of Gavin Lux and then, you know, off of Cody's knee or something. It it didn't hit him, but he disrupted the play. And Cody probably, he slid because he thought, Gavin's just going to hit me. And I've already been run into him last season by him. Because I think he got injured last season when I Gavin ran Cody into Cody Bellin had didn't he have a crack rip because yeah. Gavin Lux ran into it last Lux. season right <laughs> and so it's just like he got down and out of the way so Mookie though has a pretty decent game besides that scare two for three uh walked twice scored two runs so back to Mookie uh three for four for Trey and an RBI Will Smith no home runs this game but he did Get hit by a pitch twice. Yeah. And once in the head. I mean, he ducked. It hit him. It hit the back of the helmet. It was still scary. But he was like, I think um, Alfaro was the catcher. And, you know, he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And Will Smith's like, yeah, I'm fine. But still scary. Scary stuff. Who was on the mound? Clayton Kershaw. Oh, I thought you meant the Padres. Gore was on the mound for the Padres. Yeah, Clayton Kershaw. And I think he was like um, much better than he was in college. He was so much better. Seven innings, gave up four hits, no runs, eight strikeouts. So looked a lot better um, in the game. And they were up. They were winning. One to nothing. One to nothing. They were winning. And um, Craig Kimbrell comes in. And they were losing. And so they they end up taking <laughs> three of four. So it's not bad, but it is tough no. when it's a team like that that you have you know that kind of a relationship with with the Padres. Um, and but at least they beat them the three of the four. The only two teams they seem to not be able to beat consistently. Um, one they don't have to play again this season is the Pirates. Right. And then the Rockies seem to have their number as well. If they can beat the Padres and the Giants and then the Diamondbacks, it won't really matter what they do with the Rockies. Or will it? Because you don't want to go into the All-Star game on a losing streak to anybody. And we are a couple weeks away, but they have to see the Rockies again. Yeah. In this next uh, home series, they've got the Rockies for three and then the Cubbies coming in and uh, we get to see uh, the the he of the in the park home run. Uh, Seiya Sayuki. Is that Suzuki Sayuki? 
I'm messing up his name. Yeah, anyway. he's back. He had a he he was out for about a month with a finger injury, and he had a really cool inside the park home run. Cubs didn't win that game, but still cool. In the, they get they're they're in the ravine for four. Uh, before uh, before the angel before the Dodgers hit the road, one of those will be taken on the Angels right before the uh, All Star break. So, who's your uh, player of the week this week? Um, I went with Justin Turner, uh, three eighty eight, five RBIs, three home runs. Um, love seeing JT back, uh, hitting those home runs, um, getting those hits uh, when they need them. Um, yeah, so JT, my player of the week. I'm with you there, the swagger. I like seeing when JT's on top of things and uh, and leading the club. So I'm I I too went with JT. A couple of other Dodger news: Austin Barnes, cuz as we call him, he signed a two-year extension. Um, so he will be around and uh, Trey Turner says that he is the captain of the club. He doesn't uh, take on that moniker, says, no, I'm not. But uh, Trey Turner says otherwise. And, uh, and so the captain made up so that yeah, the- Captain Cuz will call him is back with the Dodgers for another two years. And then, of course, we cannot leave the Dodgers segment without talking about the ongoing Freddie Freeman drama that uh, he says, I guess he fired his agent because of the whole free agency deal. Uh, But then he said it remained fluid. So I don't know what that means. Then there was a, um, there were some rumors and it's, out there that his agents didn't give him the full, you know, all of the, the, um, the offers. And, um, that's what he was told when he was in Atlanta, Atlanta said, Oh, well, we, we did try to give you, you know, we tried. Well, and, and apparently as far back as the all-star break, Last season, they had made some offers to keep him there. And so they're throwing his management under the bus. And, of course, his management comes out and says, "Uh uh-uh, step back. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Step off. They're saying there is. Step off, George. (laughs) It's a false narrative is what. Uh, Agent Casey Close is accusing didn't the Casey Atlanta Close Braves. Said too, didn't he tell the Braves that he had brought sandwiches also? <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. Anyway. Seinfeld, um, Seinfeld moment. <laughs> I guess it would be the other way that the, the Braves told Freddie, we even brought sandwiches to share with Casey. Yeah. And now Casey's telling us to step off. Step off. Yeah. Um, he says that he communicated all of the offers from the Braves to Freddie Freeman. I don't know who to believe. I think in some ways, I think the Braves um, have, a, there's a little bit more on the Braves on this one. B, 
because they probably could be saying, hey, you know, we had these offers and your agent just didn't do it, but they were very quick to get Matt Olson and not only get Matt Olson, but to sign him to an extension. Like right. yeah, really they didn't quick. Pull around. No. So I think that there's some stuff going on with the Braves that is not a full story. And your agent, you know, I don't know these agents, these guys, they said, I've been an agent you know, 30 years, this is my livelihood. You know, I, why would I do that? I don't, you know, why would I do that to a client? So, you know, I look at it that way too. Number one, if Freddie was that hell bent on getting back to the Braves and he's not getting information from his, from his agent, doesn't he have the number? Well, couldn't he just walk to the office? Well, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> so he I think could there's have contacted also... the Braves or he could have gone into the office of either and said, look, my my representation says there's nothing going on. You're not doing anything. I want to know what's going on. What's right. happening? I want to exactly. be here. Do you guys want me to be here? And then there could have been, you know, they could have come up with a a solution to it. and. Honestly, if I'm the Braves from a baseball and a management standpoint, I just got Matt Olson cheaper, didn't give up that much for him overall, and he's younger. I have a younger version of you, Freddie Freeman. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think there is blame that, you know, he needs to own, Freddie Freeman needs to own to say, okay, if Right. If you really want to stay somewhere you really want, then you're going to do what you need to do. You're not just going to rely on your agent. Or if you think that your agent isn't giving you all the whole story. Right. You're right there. So and I why aren't you too, talking? Right. And I would think, too, that if his wife, who seems like she would, she would have gone to Atlanta and talked to the management. And the ownership. Yeah. If she could you know, have really sent her. And I I think she would have. I am I'm not surprised. So it seems to me like this this just needs to go away. Freddie's cons- yeah. still playing consistently, but I think he needs to I don't think it's gonna get resolved this year in his head. He's got to play the whole season and then start fresh, not coming into spring training in progress. Start right. fresh with them and go from there. Um, what would be nice is if the Dodgers could make it deep into the playoffs, walk away with a piece of metal, and him be a back-to-back World Series champion and have a ring from his new team. Um, yeah, and, that would and, be really nice. Yeah, and <laughs> be part of the solution going forward. I will say that he does seem. Um, in some ways, like, especially offensively, there's a lot of things, you know, they, um, get on base and they, and all teams do this. They have like a little gesture, um, and he didn't really do that. And he's doing that now. I've seen him tapping his head every once in a while. Yeah. You see Trey Turner doing that too. Um, so yeah, you're seeing that more. And, um, so, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a full season. Um, 
to get him to get him right to know that it's better it's better in Dodger blue. It's the beginning of a new month, and uh, it's time for the Around the Baseball segment. So you know what that means. Players, pitchers, relievers, uh, hot dog vendors, um, groundskeepers of the month. Yes. Who's first? That's exactly what it means. We got players of the month first, and that would be Astros' Jordan Alvarez who is the American League Player of the Month, and Phillies outfielder Kyle Schwarber, who is the National League Player of the Month. Alvarez, who leads baseball with a 1.070 OPS, batted 418 in June with nine home runs, 28 RBIs, with the same number of walks as strikeouts. So 13 walks, 13 strikeouts. Um, On the season, Alvarez is... Second in baseball and home runs with 23, fifth in RBIs, and first in slugging. And uh, then we have Kyle Schwarber, who is really picking up the slack since Bryce Harper is out um, with a broken thumb. He uh, batted 272 in June, slugging 12 home runs, the most any batter hit in June, and dropped. 27 RBIs. He had an OPS of plus of 189, and he finished the month with two multi-home run games. And he helped lead Philadelphia to an 18 and nine record in June. Um, that puts them into playoff contention. And uh, he's batting 221 with 23 home runs and 51 RBIs. And this is interesting. This is his second straight year winning June's National League Player of the Month. Last last year, he was with the Nationals and won. He was June's National League Player of the Month, so he must wow. like June. June consistency. We know what Schwarber's doing every June. That's right. Now can we get him to do it in August, September, and hopefully October? That's what the Phillies are hoping. We also have Pitchers of the Month. And that would be Marlins right-hander Sandy Alcantara and White Sox righty Dylan Cease. Uh, Alcantara threw at least seven innings in each of his six starts in June, extending his streak to 10 consecutive outings with seven-plus innings. He threw nine scoreless innings in Miami's extra innings win over the Nationals on June 8th. And he closed the month with a complete game victory over the Cardinals. He went 3-1 and one with a 1.89 ERA, a .88 whip, 34 strikeouts, and 8 walks over 47 and two-thirds innings in June. And he would also be an all-star candidate um, from the Marlins. And then Dylan Cease... He allowed only one earned run over 27 and third innings in June, had a .33 ERA with 45 strikeouts and a 192 opponent's batting average. In his final two starts of the month, he struck out 24 of the 46 batters he faced, and he gave up one run in 13 innings. Now for peanut vendor of the month is Joe Schnotsky. 
from the Philadelphia Phillies. He's my favorite peanut vinner ever. I have a Joe Schnotsky's t-shirt. Uh, no, we're going to go with relievers of the but month. Wait, you said he's in Philly? Was... I thought he was with the Cubs. Maybe he they traded him. I, I think he got, I think he actually was a free agent and uh-huh. got a better, got a better offer in Philly. <laughs> uh, relievers of the month, the Guardians, Emmanuel Clace and the Mets, Edwin Diaz are the relievers of the month for their respective leagues. Uh, Clace was as close to perfect as you could come in June. He held batters scoreless across 15 innings of work. He allowed only seven hits the entire month. And batters hit 137 against him. And he also leads the American League with 18 saves. And 11 of those came in June. And then Edwin Diaz allowed one run in nine and two-thirds innings. Uh, he converted all five of his save opportunities in June and had a .93 whip. He ranks in the 100th percentile in whip rate and strikeout rate. Pretty impressive. We also have the lemonade vendor of the month. Now, is it regular lemonade or the frozen lemonade? No, it's got to be the frozen. That's the only way you're considered for this award is you have to there is some controversy on this award because it has to be frozen and not just regular and uh that'd be i guess if it starts out frozen and ends up regular right sandy jones sandy jones in yeah in miami frozen apparently she sings Apparently, she sings while she's handing out your lemonade. Sweet. But that leads us to the rookies of the month. And that is uh, no surprise here. Mariners center fielder Julio Rodriguez and Michael Harris II from the Braves uh, for the National League. Rodriguez was better in June than he was in May. He had... uh, Seven home runs, 16 RBIs, 22 runs scored, and five steals in 29 games. And in the National League, Harris, who came up in May, uh, I think May 28th, is hitting 347 with four home runs, four stolen bases, 16 RBIs, 18 runs scored, and a 945 OPS in 27 games. And I have one more. What could it be? What could it be? The cotton candy vendor of the month, Lou Schultz from the Chicago Cubs. Oh, wow, Lou. Did you see Lou when you went to Wrigley? I did, yeah. He's, yeah, he's uh, a nice he's a guy. Fixture. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Sweet Always Lou. quick with That's that cotton candy. Him. Yep, sweet Lou, <laughs> cotton candy Lou. It uh, It works. Either way. So there you go. That's uh, that's all the players of the month and uh, concessionaires of the month. Uh, how about players of the week? Philly's first baseman didn't want to, you know, lose out to the peanut vendor. So Rice Hopkins got in the running for player of the week. And then, of course, the peanut vendor was of the month. So he's a step above Reese Hopkins and uh, Mariners outfielder. Julio Rodriguez, players of the week. Hoskins um, 
this is the first time that he has claimed this honor. He led the majors in home runs with four, slugging percentage of 1.158 and an OPS of 1.678 last week. And Rodriguez, 1.273 OPS with three homers, seven runs, six RBIs last week. He also added one stolen base to his American League best total of 20 steals. So rookie of the month and player of the week for Julio Rodriguez. Could be could be on his way to a second rookie of the month award. You never know. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick look around uh, the minor leagues. Uh, Rangers, single A club, the Down East Wood Ducks. Had a interesting triple play, a one, four, three, two triple play. So I see you going over that in your head. Yeah, it's so the balls hit back to the pitcher. The pitcher turns, throws to second base. Second baseman gets it, goes to first. So that's one out, two outs. First baseman turns and guns home. And the catcher gets the runner that's trying to sneak in and they get the triple play on a one, four, three, two triple play. Uh, the Downies wood decks are in Kinston, uh, North Carolina, uh, Dodgers rookie sensation, not even minor league sensation. Uh, a lot of people pining for him to be at the, up to the big club already. Fireballer Bobby Miller, uh, K 10 batters over six innings. Now here's the interesting part. He didn't give up any runs. He only gave up two hits and he walked three and Tulsa lost 14 to four. It was a pitcher's duel between, uh, the two teams. And then once the starters came out, things fell apart and Tulsa lost that one 14 to four. And then uh, finally, as far as the minor leagues go, uh, Brian O'Keefe, the Mariners AAA catcher uh, for Tacoma, hit three home runs and a walk-off single for a big, crazy night versus the Salt Lake City Bees, AAA affiliate of the the Angels. Exactly. So we talked earlier about the the Pirates. We actually talked about one of the Pirates that uh, might be a good uh, home run uh, Derby contestant in Jack Sawinski, the rookie. Big, big June. The way that you kept seeing things coming out about the Pirates, you would have thought that the Pirates were leading their division. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just they weren't, but um, just crazy stuff. I mean, you got to do something in Pittsburgh to keep them coming to the ballpark. And uh, yeah, so Jack Sawinski hit his three homers um, on Father's Day. And you know, had the walk off. And then a day after Brian Reynolds hit three home runs, and this is his real name, Michael Perez <laughs> followed up with three home runs of his own. Now, see, there's a June to remember. That is a June to remember. So the pirates, not the pirates like the look really good at times, but yet they're still not really yeah. good. No. Well, the three of these, the Brian Reynolds, Michael Perez, and then Jack Sawinski, 
Uh, they made the Pirates become the first team in American League National League history to have three different players have three homer games in the same month. No other team in 2022 has had more than one instance of a player hitting three home runs in the same month. So, wow. Uh, pretty cool for the Pirates. Yeah, no, it's cool for the Pirates. It does make them a lot more watchable. And unfortunately, it does make uh, Brian Reynolds um, much more tradable. Yes, that's true. Yeah, Reynolds. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we don't see a couple other guys um, from uh, from the team. Sawinski is a rookie, so there's not a lot of reason to trade him uh, money wise. No. But Reynolds, I I think might be on the block when we get to a trade uh, time frame, which is early August. Um, interesting. Uh, we've talked about the, the brunch ball or breakfast baseball. Uh, obviously, depending on where you live, but uh, the Peacock uh, app, NBC's Peacock app has Sunday morning baseball. Yeah, NBC had the broadcast rights to the Detroit Tigers and Kansas City Royals game for brunch ball. Um, but this time they decided to change things up a bit and there was no color commentary and there was no play by play. Some people really liked it. And some people were wondering what was going on. Some people said, it's just the sounds of the game. It's relaxing. Somebody said, I wish this was an option on all games. And right. uh, somebody said, it's relaxing, but it's kind of weird. And uh, I think fan cited contributor Mike Phillips, who tweeted out, Peacock selling this as an experience when they probably just didn't want to pay three announcers to work a game between two of MLB's worst teams. Probably that's probably correct. There's some of that too, but they just use the feed from the local channel. Usually right. The and home I team think anyway. the reason that they did that is because this game, because it was going to be on uh, Peacock, it wasn't going to be on, I think it's Bally Sports and um midwest or you know because bally is everywhere um and so it wasn't going to be on their they didn't have their announcers working so they just went with a announcerless game and like i said most you know it's not the first time it's not the first time this has happened and i can't tell you when it happened exactly but they they did that uh i think it was nbc did that with an nfl game no announcers. Oh. And uh, so they've, they've done it before. NBC has done this before. No announcers. You just watch the game. Now, it's a little harder with football than it is with baseball because you can kind of watch things develop. You can watch things happen. A lot of times it depends on camera angles. It is nice sometimes to have a little bit of information, but to kind of go through it and watch yourself. I wish I had uh, had remembered that and actually uh, logged in to watch that game. All right. Uh, before we, uh, we get dizzy, uh, looks like somebody might be done being dizzy for a little while. Uh, Jacob DeGrom had a rehab start at uh, the Mets single A club, Port St. Lucie. Uh, he was out there when he was warming up. Members of the staff came out and stood behind him and watched him warm up just to see how it worked. He uh, struck out five of the six that he faced. Uh, of the 24 uh, pitches, he uh, had 12 swing and misses of 24 strikes. But he pitched out. He, he 
K5. And then he topped out at 101. So the Mets might be just that much uh, closer to being uh, scary. Yeah, he's expected. They think he's going to make about four rehab starts. Um, If everything goes well, looks like he'll be back after the all-star break. And then uh, another person that uh, I'd like to to interject with on the wheel of Will, this week we have Zach Davies of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who's on the 15-day IL with right shoulder inflammation. Um, Atlanta's Adam Duvall is on the wheel, can hop off, but uh, he is day-to-day. He has a hand injury. He was hit by a pitch. It is not broken, so that's good news for the Braves, um, but he is uh, day-to-day with because he's got some swelling in that hand. And... Uh, the Red Sox, Rich Hill, our old friend, Rich Hill, is uh, on the 15-day IL with uh, knee soreness. And then in Colorado, Antonio Cinzatella is on the 15-day IL with shoulder tightness. I just like to say his name, Antonio <laughs> Cinzatella. Uh, in Houston, Michael Brantley is on the 10-day with shoulder um, issues. And with the Dodgers, you've got Chris Taylor, who is day-to-day with an ankle injury. He had gotten hit in the, hit in the foot, so he had a contusion on his foot. And then um, it looks like he injured his ankle, ankle not his ankle, his ankle. <laughs> and so they're looking the at that, hoping. On his ankle. Yeah, that's right. Hoping that he does not go on the I.L., uh, Craig Kimbrell was hit in the back by a line drive, and he is day-to-day, um, which probably is good because he won't be pitching. Right. Um, now, <laughs> so. speaking of relievers, Dodger relievers, um, potentially good news, uh, Blake Trident is actually starting his throwing program. Yes, and that is good news. The What I heard recently was maybe... The beginning of August. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully um, we need him back. Uh, Caleb Ferguson, it looks like is going to be coming off the IL. So hopefully he'll be a help there. And Andrew Haney is starting to uh, do some bullpen sessions. Um, so hopefully he can get back in the lineup um, or the, the rotation um, there. Uh Got a lot of several guys that are day to day. Anthony Rizzo is listed as day to day. He with lower back stiffness in Oakland. This one caught my eye. Uh, Frankie Montas. Um, we hear a lot about him maybe being traded at some point. He is day to day right now. Um, had some shoulder tightness. He will have an MRI. Um, they're hoping that it's nothing major. But uh, yeah, because they want to get a lot of maximum for right. him. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Kirk Casale has uh, a bright oblique strain. Oh, blacky. Oh, blacka. <laughs> oh, my side. Oh, 
Oh, oh, oh, ah, ah, ow, my side. Ouch! So he's not going to be catching. He'll probably be out for about a month. Um, Anthony Del Scalfani is out for the season with an ankle injury. He's been dealing with that ankle injury pretty much all season. Uh, Toronto's Kevin Gossman is day-to-day with an injured right ankle. He's having problems on the mound, so... We'll look and see if maybe next week if he shows up on the IL. Uh, Juan Soto also listed as day-to-day with a calf strain. So lots of guys that day-to-day. So maybe next week they will be fully riding the wheel. But uh, that's it for the wheel of IL. Juan Soto would be another guy who maybe, if he's healthy, would be somebody I wouldn't mind watching in the uh, home run derby. Yeah. And then uh, Max Scherzer has been activated. He is off the wheel and back with the Mets. Cool. So I just found this out and I was surprised. I don't know how I, you know, how did this happen? But did you know that this year is the 30th anniversary of the release of a league of their own? I saw that and I couldn't believe that 30 years. It's been 30 years that we've known that there's no crying in baseball. 30 years, no crying in baseball. And, uh, it's there, I guess there's a whole bunch of stuff going on around it. There is, uh, a, I believe it's a Netflix series that they're, they're, uh, putting together that's supposed to be about it. And if you remember, there was a TV series, right after it came out and some of them those that were in the movie moved on to that so there's a lot of stuff out there about the movie uh, i read an interesting article uh that um that was done the, they interviewed um megan cavanaugh who played uh, marla hooch second baseman marla hooch what a hitter yeah and uh I, she was getting ready to go and play in um in a reunion game and uh she can still hit from both sides Uh, they turned her into a a switch hitter and she's still raking from both sides even in her 60s so if you got a minute stop down watch it again it's such a great movie not only as a baseball movie but just as a a history movie the things that we don't realize that people did during different times, you know, World War II is going on. People stepped up and, uh, you know, and they did and played some pretty good baseball. So check that out. Go out and buy the 30th anniversary edition whenever they put it out on DVD or whatever. And uh, I just thought, I mean, it's nothing big, but I just thought that was uh, pretty interesting. 30 whole years of yeah, uh, A League of Their Own. 30 years, A League of Their Own. Great movie that comes on. Can always watch it wherever it is. Yeah, they show it a lot on TBS, MLB Network. All right, before we bail out, coming up next week, you want to be fully logged in and uh, and ready to go and listening in because we're going to tell you how you can get yourself an SRBB T-shirt, the official sibling rivalry baseball podcast T-shirt, and also be in the running to get a gift card from game day chic who's partnering up with us thankfully thank you to game day chic uh they've got some great stuff jana can attest to that and check out uh check out the i'm wearing one of their shirts right now that's what made me remember 
Um, and, uh, you know, check out, uh, check out our, uh, our Instagram on Facebook and Instagram at sibling rivalry BB with the a, and you'll be able to see pictures of that. Maybe you can get them up on the website. Some up on the website as well, whether it be with you. I know that, uh, one picture you did post on our social media, uh, when you were at the Rockies game earlier this season, uh, got you a, uh, a nice little, um, tag from, the uh the game day chic uh folks and uh and then our website siblingrivalrybb.com and of course you can find us on twitter siblingrivalrybb without the a so that'll wrap everything up this week we will uh do like we always do see what happened with the dodgers can they continue winning what will happen when they play the rockies at home can they finally solve whatever it is about the rockies uh, and get uh, and get a win there. Will the uh, will the Angels be able to uh, to do something against uh, the Marlins and the Orioles, or will those two animals have the best get the best of them? All right, and that'll do it for us uh, on this edition of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. We look forward to uh, chatting up with you next week. Get out there and enjoy some baseball, and don't forget to swing away. Thank you.